Hi there, I'm Daniel Eccles, and this is the Learned Opportunity Podcast. This podcast is for emerging leaders, those folks who are building their platforms, sharpening their skills, and dreaming for the future. Join me as I help emerging leaders like you get unstuck so that you can start creating huge opportunities in your personal and professional life. I talk to some of the best leaders out there about how they've created opportunities in their own lives, share my opportunity creating best practices from my experience as a certified career counselor and personal and professional development nerd, and I'll also chat with other emerging leaders about opportunity creating repeatable actions that you can apply to your life today. We're ready, so let's get started with Learned Opportunity. How do you create opportunity when you have chronic illness, uncontrollable pain, maybe a mental health diagnosis or trauma that is related to circumstances outside of your control? Sometimes getting unstuck doesn't mean that you're going to get rid of a disability. And Kimberly Finney, she's a National Teaching Award recipient, founder of The Way Back to Ourselves, photographer, poet, and doctorate student, all while battling a chronic illness that prevents her from using her body some days. So in this podcast episode, we're going to learn from Kimberly how to overcome the wheelchairs we all have in our minds, the necessity of the arts for creating opportunity, how limitations can increase opportunities, and how we can navigate the detours that are always going to come in life. So Learn more about Kimberly Finney and The Way Back to Ourselves at thewaybacktoourselves.com with a two, the number two instead of T-O, thewaybacktoourselves.com or at The Way Back to Ourselves on Instagram. Let's go and hear from Kimberly Finney. Thank you, Kimberly, for coming on Learn the Opportunity podcast. I'm so thankful that you reached out and that we've gotten connected on LinkedIn, the official place to connect, and Instagram (laughs) and other other places like that. So why don't you go ahead and tell listeners what is important for them to know about you? Okay, so my name is Kimberly Finney, and I, I first have to leave with the fact that I'm a mom and a wife and a child of God. I always wanna keep things in the right order. But what I do for a living is I'm a professional helper and artist. I guess that's Mm. been kind of like my tag lately since I kind of wear a lot of hats. By trade, I have been in education, teaching English for almost 20 years. And I got a national teaching award with the Nobel family from the Peace Prize family. It's with NSHSS. And actually, they just gave out the award this past weekend, but I couldn't go because my my health, which I'll address. But it was a, a wonderful recognition. So yeah, teaching English and leading an English department at a private school in Tampa and a published writer. So and that's actually how you and I got connected is kind of through the ecstasis Connor Sweetman route, because he's been so generous with me there with Christianity Today and just really lifting my spirits through my illness and the poetry I was writing. And so I've had several poems published there. And then I loved listening to his podcast and we just started chatting, you and I, and 
So doing the writing thing. And as far as artistry, I also am a professional photographer, but because of my physical illness these past several years, that's kind of been in hiatus. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. And then the other thing is that I'm getting my doctorate and I guess we can uncover that as we move on and why I'm going for the doctorate I'm going in, which is in community care and counseling. So, And I was looking online at your website way back to ourselves and uh, you are doing a whole lot of different things. There's photography, you're, you're writing. Yeah. I see that you're going to be starting a podcast. And yes, yeah, so I want to learn from the master. I'll, I'm taking notes. <laughs> no, not a master. <laughs> I've, I've been enjoying yours. Well, thank you. But uh, yeah, it's just a whole bunch of different stuff that that you're up to. And, and then on top of that, being an award-winning teacher, and you mentioned a little bit about your health and everything. Yeah, That's just yeah. a lot going on. And there are definitely going to be a lot of different things that we can talk about as far as where you have felt stuck before yes, um, and how absolutely. you have moved past that and continue to do all of these different things, even though you really don't have to. So absolutely. Yeah. And that, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say that was like a big thing, you know, going through my health crisis, which I guess we could touch on at some point. So people aren't mystified, but my husband would tell me like, well, what other choice do you Mm. have? You know, he helped me be really practical because he was like, you can either stay in a wheelchair or you won't. Mm. And so that's been, and and he says that in love, but I think that going through a health crisis really boils it down to these actionable steps. Like how long can you let yourself stay down Mm. and what are you going to do to get up? And for me, it was to literally learn how to walk again. Yeah. I mean, I did a, just a brief little survey on my Instagram for people about what robs them of opportunity the most. And Mm. the three options that I put down were a mindset. There was a lack of resources And Mm -hmm. then the other one being, I just don't know what I want. But then I left another one open for other people to comment if they had an idea for something else that has robbed them. And and you responded to that, but you weren't the only one to respond in the same way. There were other people who responded and said, hey, I, I just have chronic pain. I have an illness or I have a mental disability or I'm mentally ill in some way or would claim that diagnosis as something that has robbed me of opportunities. So uh, I was really excited to talk a little bit more with that idea to you because there does seem to me to be, I don't don't know, just this missed area that I haven't talked about yet. <laughs> to, right, to listeners. right. So, yeah, to speak to that, I was really glad that you did that poll and to leave the open, you know, the other, because I think that that's what can kind of happen is that feeling of otherness and obviously being 38 and going through catastrophic illness. So, just to, you know, fill in the dots is that I have like a severe autoimmune, mm. you know, issue. And I'll just leave it at that. But I had to go through multiple surgeries of one year and one of them, I got post-surgical complications. I ended up contracting sepsis, was hospitalized for it, which claims one in three lives and then was re-hospitalized. They sent me home too soon. And in all of that, it wasn't until that cleared that we realized that I had multiple fistulas, which is where the organs in my Mm -hmm. abdomen, because of the illness, the bed rest, the sepsis and my disease, they had all fixed together. 
which would have taken my life had I not found a cancer surgeon. And so before I knew it, I was on, you know, the surgery table again, and he saved my life, Tampa General. <laughs> Shout out to Tampa General. But and then after that, I had spent so much time bedridden that I lost all my muscle mass, my spine slipped mm. out of place. And so even if I wanted to walk at that point, I couldn't. And so we had around the clock care. We did not know what the future was going to hold. And praise God for our faith, our family, our church community, you know, our friends. I have some precious friends who are colleagues. They all came around us. And um, so getting unstuck, I mean, that's not a lone wolf kind of thing, right? right? Yeah. I think that sometimes it takes mm -hmm. a community. And the stuff that I learned over the past couple of years are really invaluable that I could never learn having not gone through that. So when I saw you post that, I think it is something that we want to keep in mind is that there are lots of people out there who are gifted and, and brilliant and talented, have the biggest heart to do things, but they are going to have these, you know, physical, mm -hmm. mental, emotional things that impede them. And I think, you know, for me, that's where I pivoted and I'm getting my doctorate in community care and counseling is because mm -hmm. I kind of had this aha moment where I was a big mental health advocate before, but, you know, functionally, functioning quite fine physically, my illness hadn't gotten to the point where it was really claiming my life like it did. But now I, I can see all of it, you know, and I said to the Lord, man, you know, you have a lot of talks when you're bedridden and you can't sleep at night. And I'm like, if mm. you would just deliver me, you know, get me unstuck, if we're going with the theme of your podcast, like I'll use the rest of my life you know, making meaning out of it, you know, mm. telling people about you, using this horrific story, even if I'm in the midst of it, even if it's messy, because I still am, you know, I've got up days, I've got down days, there's days where I feel like I can do so much, there are days I can't. Sharing that story so people don't feel alone. You know, there are plenty of people alone every day in their homes, in wheelchairs, can't access things, can't get help, aren't getting the compassion that they need. And that can absolutely keep us stuck. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering right now if that's just something that you are going to get stuck in and there's not necessarily anything that you can do to get out of mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. times, at least in the way that we would we would hope. We might look at an opportunity and say like, okay, just get unstuck means just getting rid of a condition, getting rid mm -hmm. of a where you're at and making a change in your life. But I don't know if getting unstuck necessarily means that you are getting rid of every single condition or thing in your life at that time. Talk a little bit about that. Is there a difference between getting unstuck and changing everything? Yeah, I, okay, so one thing that I've learned through this and things I kind of understood before I got really ill, but now it's super crystallized is that mm. sometimes you have to do something in spite of, you mm. know, mm. so knowing I might never get rid of the dreaded post-sepsis syndrome that I have, I might never be able to, because of the the permanent trauma to my body, be able to like go run a marathon. I mean, these are you know, pipe dreams, really. But one thing I told my husband is I said, I might not be able to use my body, but I will use my mind and I'm going to use mm. my time. Mm. And so 
I think that's kind of where God really blew the hinges off the doors for me because I was really risk adverse before getting really ill. And I was super perfectionistic, really hard to get criticized or very sensitive, worried really too much about what other people thought. And so that's another thing that I think that can get us stuck is really that paralysis. But mm -hmm. when you kind of have a, a near-death experience and you, you, know, you survive that experience, you're coming out of it, you really realize how silly a lot of that can be. And that I had my own private rules that I learned how to break. Mm. You know, mm. I, I can't do this because I'm going to hear no. Or I can't do this because someone's better at that than me. Or getting that imposter syndrome that I've heard you talk about on your podcast with some of your guests. And kind of thinking like, well, that's for other people. And when I came out of my illness and knowing I'm going to have to do things, you know, regardless of what my body's allowing like i have to find other avenues other routes that's where the writing came back you know i started prioritizing these things i had to learn my fine motor skills all over again so just picking up pen to paper and it's it's amazing how god flipped that taking away the risk aversion taking away caring what people were going to say and then thinking you know i would joke with my husband and my friends my mom i'd be like i almost died what are they going to do tell me no <laughs> you know, and, and really being like, fine, let them tell me, no, I'm wow, here. Yeah. And so then I just started sending out poetry or I started reaching out, making connections. And mm. sometimes you hear no, but you know, it's so crazy. Sometimes you hear yes. Mm. And you just yeah. have to do things in spite. I don't want to tie any of this up into a pretty bow. And that's usually no. the temptation <laughs> when it comes to, to counseling and, and dealing with mental illness or depression, anxiety, or even with physical illness and conditions, wanting to you know have a nice, comfortable bow to wrap all of this story into. But then there are also parts of this that uh, it's encouraging for me to hear, you have probably gotten more opportunities because that illness has changed your mindset to the point where there's yes. there's nothing to lose. Why not enter your poetry? Why not write more? Why Start not? Start a website. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unleash exactly. another part of you that was honestly there before. In your mind, you're obviously a deep thinker, but it wasn't being utilized to the fullness until something else was taken away until a limitation made it so that you had to, you know, go into your strengths in other areas. I really actually love what you just said. And I was trying to, one is we can't put a bow on it because it can look, it's the brutal thing. Like it's brutal and it's beautiful at the same time. It's, huh, it's the ashes, oh, yeah. right? I can't take credit for that. I've read it in a book somewhere, but <laughs> I, I held on to it since. So I got to put that out there, but it's like the ashes have to come before you get the beauty. Mm. And that's why mm. I kind of have been saying, you know, when I write on my website or the connection I'm making, it's, it's the beauty from ashes stories. So we don't want to forget about the ash. We don't want to forget about the brutality of it all, but I think you're completely right that, well, I know you're right that, you know, who I was before my illness, I was way too risk adverse, too introverted. And I still am an introvert, go introverts, right? But I feel like the passion pulls me out of that safe place. 
Mm. Like it's willing to take the risk. And so I was trying to think about, you know, not everybody necessarily has had a, a critical illness in their thirties or, or I know a lot of people you're talking to, they're emerging, they might be in their twenties and thirties, young people or people career shifting. And they're trying to get that mindset that you talked about. But one thing I was thinking about is I was in a physical wheelchair, but it wasn't until that that happened. And I don't believe God did it to me, but I do believe that that was part of my story that he was going to help me deal with is I didn't realize how many wheelchairs I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that's the really big thing that I would love to share with listeners is even if you're never actually put into a wheelchair, if you're never actually go through something like this, mm-hmm. and I pray it wouldn't, that we have wheelchairs in our mind. We have these private rules. We're shackled sometimes. And, and we have these mindsets that will impede our growth like our ability to take risk, our ability to be vulnerable, to put ourselves out there, to be authentic, to ask for help. And I think that when you're willing to do that, it 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 not only shakes you awake, but it shakes the people awake around you. And that's something that I tell my students is that, you know, yeah, we're going to be here to pass this literature exam, you know, because I teach AP. I want to teach you right and get ready for college. But the most important thing that I care about, and I care about it more than ever after this journey I've been on, is to to shake you awake, mm. for you to see who you are meant to be, for you to do what you were designed to do, to not to sleepwalk, you know, don't let your youth hold you back, like, don't let your fears hold you back, don't try to be like everybody else, so that's I would definitely say that's a takeaway, and I had to deal with those wheelchairs in my mind. As I went through the the healing process, it wasn't just doing the grueling PT and getting up and falling. And, you know, it was it was the emotional work, too. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you're preaching right now. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, that work of trying to help these students discover who they were meant to be, to have a life where they're thriving and using their strengths and getting out of their, you know, either mental wheelchair or mm-hmm. um, getting past some of these limiting beliefs mm-hmm. that they might have. That That's probably also a little bit of uh, this community that you're starting to form of way back to ourselves. Could you talk a little yes, bit more absolutely. to what you're working on and trying to do with way back to ourselves? Okay. So with the way back to ourselves, one is I picked the mountains of these ideas of these paving roads because of how many detours I've had in my life, which is universal. All the times you feel lost and we're looking for that bigger thing. And for me, it's the Blue Ridge Mountains. So that was Mm -hmm. kind of this image that I was having. And I have started other websites and blogs and stuff since I was like, you know, in my early twenties and you know, a lot of stops and starts, and then you evolve and you delete it, you know? So, but all of these detours and the idea of the Blue Ridge Mountains is like, you know, the spiritual representation to me of like what we ought to be, like what God has in store for us. I wanted to find the way back within myself. And when I was sick with sepsis, my school reached out to me because I write and everything. And they had reached out to me before I got sick and said, would you write something for a blog? And I was about to start my doctorate and got really ill. So I said, you know what? I'm stuck at home recovering. Let me go ahead and throw something together. And I was actually just fighting for my life. There was even more going on. And I wrote this blog post, like the way back to ourselves. And it was about teaching, parenting, and leading. And 
how we can really rethink what we're doing as a culture philosophically mm. to point people toward wholeness, to point our children toward their spiritual being. And I wrote it in a way that was very practical and, and comfortable for the average person to pick up. And so they posted it and I got a, a lot of really good feedback and I just had like a seat at the time, but I was so ill. I'm like, there's something to this, you know, and I had had so many detours in my life. You know, I thought I would teach briefly at an at-risk public school. I stayed a decade. I never planned to teach yearbook because I was going to get my master's right away. I wanted to go be a professor. I stayed. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, I, I didn't mean to go be a yearbook advisor. I didn't mean to learn everything about journalism. And I was supposed to be a, you know, a college professor with her doctorate by 30, you know, all by, <laughs> I failed my younger self, but mm. I stayed because I had a heart for the kids. But the really interesting thing is to honor the detours because I learned everything I had to learn so I could teach them. And from that, I learned everything about copywriting, communicating, building websites, design and design Photoshop. We went to FSPA, you know, the state competition for journalism. We won all kinds of awards. Those kids are brothers and sisters to me. And they said, you need to do this with spending for yourself. And they pushed me to, cause I learned mm. everything about photography and my own students, you know, at their ripe age could see something in me I couldn't see. And so I started a photography business cause they just wouldn't stop bothering me like you have to do this so I did that and then I got sick and I couldn't do it and it's amazing because the way back to ourselves is literally a culmination mm -hmm. of detours trauma asking God what is going on mm -hmm. and this daring thing that when I came out of it and I was well enough I got COVID really really bad in August because of all my autoimmune issues mm -hmm. I, I couldn't yeah. get out of bed for days said to my husband I'm going to start that website why wait and I said, that's what I'm going to do. I can't get out of bed. And he, he's so used to this. He thinks I'm nuts. Okay. He's like, but do you think you're overextending yourself? I said, I don't care. <laughs> so, and I, that's the baby steps. Cause wow, I said to him, I'm yeah. like, so what? I'll just make it. And if it, if it flops, whatever, I'll just ask people, I'll just put some stuff up. And it just has, it's young. You know, I only put it together in August and it's already picking up so much steam and they're People have been so kind and we launched a literary journal there and I've got a few little blogs up because again, it takes time and I want it to be quality. But the whole point of it is like, Hey, you belong here. There's a community for you. Let's go on this journey together as people in this world to find ourselves again mm. and, and a world that's gone loud, you know? So the detours are uh, we don't want to necessarily go on them. I mean, there's road construction mm -hmm. and you probably right. just detour. Great. <laughs> you know, but those detours might be the, the time that we feel like we're getting stuck, but they're actually probably the things that are getting us unstuck right. out of just the, the normal, um, distractions of life and, and driving mm -hmm. on the same route and, the, the places that we're going to just not ever really realize what we could become, who we could become. So I really like that thinking about the detours and uh, what detours our listeners, what mm -hmm. detours am I um, experiencing that I might not be so grateful for that I... Right, in the time. Yeah. You're like, oh man, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. That time piece is really a huge thing, I think, to especially 20s, 20-year-olds, 20 mm -hmm. people in their 20s that 
just feel like they're behind right now. I've I've been really hearing that a lot lately. And I know that I felt that myself in my earlier 20s of just like, oh man, I'm falling behind. I don't have this yet or I'm not there yet. And in that time piece, it it really stands out to me. Mm -hmm. But you were saying that you (laughs) had started things back then and then you stop and because it doesn't necessarily fit and then you start it again and it doesn't necessarily fit and and just that that stop go stop go stop go yeah but all of those things have led to to the way back to ourselves and have played a small piece in that too absolutely so absolutely really just having gratefulness for those starts and stops and being able to look back and think like, you know, without those, I don't really know if I would be to the point that I'm at right now, but that's hard when you're in the middle of it, right? It's so hard, especially if you've got these big hopes, these big dreams, and you're thinking like, how is my ordinary everyday life gonna, you know, achieve these things that I thought I was promised, you know, mm. and then, and things go differently. But I would say that the detours, when we're talking on that, that theme is that one is you pick up skills yeah, that you wouldn't have expected or that you didn't think you needed. And then that's, there's the character that comes from the getting back up again. Mm. There's a, actually a little video on Instagram and I've seen it going around it. It's a, it's on a reel. And I'll try my best to describe it, but there's a man in front of a crowd in the mall. You might've seen it. Yes. And he's walking up these steep steps, right? And there's a trampoline in front of him and the crowd is watching and he goes up the steps and he ascends and then he drops down and he he hits and they're gasping. But the how he's propelled down that energy, you can gather it and he goes up a step and then back down and up and down and the crowd can't stop watching. And that really ministered to me because I'm like, man, that's exactly what it was like when I literally learned how to walk again. Mm. Like, obviously, I didn't have a crowd coming for me, but it's that idea that you're going to fall down, but you can have that trampoline mindset, I guess, where you don't stay down. You let the fall, you let the detour, people's, you know, gossip or misperceptions of you or whatever it is that's going on that's got you stuck. Mm. Let it be the energy to p- propel you back up. And then, of course, the video, if you watch it long enough to the end, I did. He finally lands at the top. Everybody claps for him. And you're like, yes, good job, Internet man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I watched that one myself, too. And it's a really good visual and example. Well, that's a little bit about like we can be thankful for the skills and the things that the detours Mm -hmm. give you. But what about the not so hard skills, the things that we feel might be a waste of our time during those things, like, I don't know, poetry, literature. Obviously, you're hitting on something that's near and dear to my heart. (laughs) Creativity, you know, like why, what usefulness do these things have in creating opportunities and getting unstuck? Because if I'm deep down in, in the ditch right now, Right. I want a ladder. I want something useful, you know? Yeah, don't give me a poem. Don't give me a poem about what it feels like to be in this ditch. (laughs) Right, exactly. But, you know, every year I'm about to start poetry with my AP Lit class, and they're mostly guys. And I'm like, I always feel like I have to do this hard sell with you guys, you know, about the poetry. (laughs) 
And you know what blows me away every year is it's the guys that are like, man, that was one great unit, Miss Finney. Because <laughs> I think that what happens is their expectations are so low. Yeah. Like, what is my English teacher doing here? Like giving me a poem and telling me it's going to help me. And I think that that actually poetry in the arts is the balm of the soul, right? In the Bible, it says in the beginning, you know, was the word. I always tell my students that I'm like, Yes, the word is the Bible, but as the English teacher, like the word, like literature, poetry, all of it matters. Mm. And, you know, engineers and architects are important. They build bridges. But what good is it going to cross a bridge if you're depressed and you're disconnected? Mm. You know, poetry gets you across the bridge. The arts gets you across that bridge as a human that's awake. And so it's funny. I did like a my family and friends were teasing me. I was, as I was preparing for you, I'm, so how do you get unstuck? They, oh, here she goes again, you know, and I posted on LinkedIn and I got some feedback and I interviewed some mentors of my, my own and talked to some old students about getting unstuck. And it surprised me how many of them, even business-minded, like, you know, people with MBAs, people who are in finance, like I try to find a creative outlet. Yeah. I try. And so I would say that, um, you know, if you're in the muck and mire of it and you're like, I got to pay these bills, like all these really practical things like, hey, the arts isn't going to do anything to help me pass my chem exam mm. or isn't going to help me nail my next interview or, you know, give a big presentation. I would I would say maybe you re-examine that because reading and the arts and literature and poetry, it gets us connected with ourselves, gets us connected with the human experience. And when our brains can rest and contemplate, and we know this in research, right? That it opens it up. It, it creates a therapeutic response, mm -hmm. theory of the mind. So it impacts our empathy. And then I think it lets us go out into the world and be better people. And that means do a better job at what it is that we're going after. I've always attributed it to my personality maybe. Yeah. Um, but whenever I'm in a malaise or feeling just not very energetic or down. What I'm wanting is not some more numbing activity. That's usually my go-to is like, mm -hmm. let's numb out and watch, you know, some Netflix, some reality TV or, or something like that. Or, and that's my usual go-to. But then after I've been there for a bit, what actually helps me get out of things is I'm just, I really want to create something right now. Uh, I wish that I was inventing something right now. Yes. I need a creative project, but I just don't know what it is. So I think that there is something to that. And there's this mm -hmm. innate desire in all of us that there's got to be something more than just doing the everyday tasks of just going and driving across the bridge. There's got to be something beautiful about the the bridge too. I mean, like, yes, think exactly. Of, Think of all the, the things like bridges are can be so beautiful and have great, you know, views, photography, bridges are photographed so right. much. And and we just have a desire and a need for that. I think that's great advice for anyone that's feeling stuck is what can you do that's creative? And it might feel like a waste of your time or right. your energy or your resources, but just maybe try to do it anyway and, and see where it takes you. It can't hurt. Yeah, there exactly. <laughs> Actually in creating that negative space to be able to let yourself create is really important. I was actually listening to 
the podcast by author Brooks, who he's the Harvard professor. He's a writer and he researches happiness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so he talks to a lot of people at the forefront of that, a lot of leaders and how to, you know, get unstuck, you know, mentally, emotionally create, you know, cultivate a happy life. And they were talking about creating negative space, like the power of subtraction. And yes. like in this American culture, especially like it's especially with, you know, the advent of social media, it's like we're adding, adding, adding. And then because it's all on demand, right, we don't let ourselves have that negative space to contemplate, do a check in, have some introspection, create, read a poem for the sake of its beauty. Any of those things take in the sunset where we're, we're just jamming ourselves so full and that actually impedes your effectiveness, it impedes your happiness. So I think that being able to create that space by subtracting something in, mm -hmm. in your day or your week where you can kind of pump the brakes, I think that that's really important. Yes, yes. It goes back to that limitations. Again, feel like getting stuck again. Why am I limiting mm -hmm. myself? Why am I taking away from me? I should be adding more skills, more things because more 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 equals opportunity but accepting the limitations and adding more of that blank canvas to your life then you can add the right things then you can have the space to actually have margin reflect and those are all the things that i've been finding help actually create opportunity instead of just this hustle this grind of right. i just need to add more and consume more and if i just have more resources then i will get opportunity so so i'm gonna flip the script and say you know what are you doing to create negative space you were talking about oh, or like yeah. your creative process for like your podcast and your leadership like what advice would you give mm, yeah i think that all of this did start because <laughs> of accepting more limitations mm -hmm. uh, back in 2020. I mean, we were all forced to have some more limitations right, on our life, but I chose to add some more through John Mark Comer's book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I read um, that. Great yeah. Book. And looking at formation and looking mm -hmm. at these things, a rule of life, a way to live your life and taking some things away from that. And that helped me to get more into the practice of, you know, if I'm not watching TV right before bed and I mm -hmm. need to do better at that lately and kind of get back to the original time, then, you know, writing and journaling a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm reading more, which is just a different area of your brain and helps Absolutely. you to apply things and be more creative. Um, so adding more space for less consuming and more creating in, in those ways. Lately, I've been doing that at night instead of TV, or I'm trying to at least have some time to journal three or four different things right now that I'm thinking of. So every night I'm, you know, what was I thankful for today? Um, mm -hmm. What was on my mind today? And then I pray about those things and just bring up like, what was I actually thinking about throughout the day? And just list all of those topics instead of framing it from a, what are my prayer requests today? It's right, just like, right. no, I'm just going to overview my day and see like, what is it I'm actually thinking about? I look back and say, what do I need to repent of or for, ask mm -hmm. forgiveness for in my day? Not from a, Daniel's a terrible, terrible dude sort of a way, <laughs> but that helps me to mm -hmm. be reflective and see like, okay, 
I, I there are things that I'm working on in areas that I'm still growing and I know the areas that I'm growing and I'm more aware and self-aware because I'm asking for forgiveness and repentance. And then I just jot down a couple of like to-dos that are on my mind so that and they will never get checked off. Like I love making a to-do list, but I have never actually checked off an entire to-do list. Right. Because I mean, that's the act of living, right? As soon as you cross them off. So it's really a blessing. You have to add more because you're living. Like right. that's how I try to <laughs> shift it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and like, I'll, I will take like a to-do from the day before and I like add, you know, taking it to the next day with me and adding it. And whenever I get rid of one, I usually uh-huh. have two or three more that I'll, I'll put on there because I have more more ideas. But I think that that practice at night has really opened up even more creativity mm-hmm. for me. And then also just writing and having that blank canvas of just a white on a screen and even just writing and taking notes on things that I never really had before. Um, I actually told my wife the other day, and this is going to sound great. I'm like, guess what? I actually took notes today at work. (laughs) That was the first time that I've ever taken notes in my life. I've never took notes in school, never took notes in college never took notes in grad school so you were that kid i was that just kid. easy and it just I'm, was coming to you and then i'm just like that was super helpful why haven't i been yeah. doing that <laughs> like it makes a difference so listener like <laughs> did you know that notes are really great actually take them they are <laughs> but do it in your own way like i actually discovered yes, exactly. why it was helpful for me mm-hmm. now and so just having more opportunities and trying to write it out and sit in it through writing instead of just trying to finish things at work or produce but just Absolutely. letting the blank space of the of the screen and and sitting in it longer through my writing process than what I would do before and how I got through school was always just doing enough to get it done mm-hmm. but that was never better than what you know it, it could have been so much more so. right it's it's funny that you were saying that too because like just even preparing for this I'm such a little student you know academically <laughs> that <laughs> I was just taking copious notes and my husband got me the remarkable, which is really cool. This I've been tablet looking at that. My... I really get it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is not an ad placement. <laughs> I, we don't have a relationship with Mark remarkable, but you have to get it. It's amazing. And I could take it everywhere. And it feels like you're, it's the closest thing to getting right on paper, except mm-hmm. now I don't lose all my notes because I'm always like looking and I have all these things. And so he got this for me and it's been quite remarkable. <laughs> Wow. Because I have like seven journals just, at a time right now. Like <laughs> Exactly. This this will cure that problem. And listen, don't ever get rid of those journals, right? That's good too, but it is a great thing to have. And just the act of writing and, and drawing my ideas for our conversation and typing it out. And of course, I know I'm going to get teased hardcore for this from my loved ones, for my neuroses, but it, it really, really helps because I'm processing, I'm thinking, I'm making mm-hmm. connections and, and it helps it to go up into my brain and stick there. And we, we know with the research that when we put pen to paper, what it does for the brain, right? And, and then talking about getting unstuck, when we actually write down the goals and track them, you know, mm-hmm. and make that to-do list, we're way more likely to do it and to take action than if it just kind of stays 
between our ears. Yeah. Yeah. I, even if I don't ever check it off, I look back on a lot of those unchecked boxes and they're, mm-hmm. they have been completed. Most of them. Right. And right. So there is something about just writing it down that at least gets it out of my ADHD mind and is really helpful. So I'm so going to get that totally. remarkable. I, I've got to do that. <laughs> it, it's, it's really great. I enjoy it a lot. Well, before just wrapping up here, Kimberly, is there anything else that you wish I would have asked you? Okay, let me think on that because I, <laughs> I, I'm going to look at my notes. Let me see here. Okay, so I do need to give one anecdote that I just think is really important. And I've shared it with my students over the years mm. and they've even come back to me and said, you know, that when you shared that with me or when you told me about that, that really helped me. But I always ask the kids, you know, you know, you talk about thoroughbred horses. And I said, do you know how much some of these horses go for? And they're the kids who know this stuff to like, oh, these racehorses can go for millions of dollars. And I said, exactly. I said, and they're so fine tuned and they are, they're bred for such a time as this. And they are priceless to their owners. Like mm. you think about secretariat or you think about these racehorses. And I told, I tell them that, you know, horses where their eyes are on their faces, that they almost get a full 360 degree view. Mm. Um, but this can be to their detriment. Of course, evolutionarily speaking, it helps. But when they're in these tight quarters to run their race, they have to have blinders on, or I guess they call blinkers too. But these blinders, because if they don't, they'll startle so easily. They're looking to their left, they're looking to their right, and they literally can self-destruct. Mm. And so something about getting unstuck is learning to run your own race yeah. and to put your blinders on because- if you are, and, and especially with the advent of social media and the 24-7 news loop and everything, you, you were aware of way too much. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going on the uh, Instagram or wherever you go, and you're seeing what all these other people are doing. And there's this pressure to conform or to compete. But really, you just need to put your blinders on and do what it is that you were designed to do. Yes. Figure out what that is and then just run your race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy, but it's the killer of opportunity. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. It, I, I see that all the time as far as my own work, what I'm trying to do. And I just compare myself to other people who have been doing it longer (laughs) than me. And, and, you know, it distracts myself and it freaks myself out. So yeah, put those blinders on, run your race. You were designed for something specific and that's a value to somebody. So yeah, that's a, that's a Absolutely. good anecdote. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how would a listener connect with you if they um, would chat more about these things or read some of your work? So I would love to hear from them. The way back to ourselves with the number two. So it's the mm-hmm. way to, you know, the way back to ourselves.com. So that's the website. And then my Instagram handle is at the way back to ourselves. And then the email is also the way back to ourselves at gmail.com. And so that's an easy way to get a hold of me. And I would love to hear from them. So I'll uh, put the link to the website in the show notes. So listener, go ahead, go there, reach out to Kimberly. It's just 
way more fun to do these things when you're hearing from listeners, when you are getting to meet new people and have conversations. So use social media for the actual intended use of being social. And yes, actually I think get you'll, social. Yeah. I think you'll really <laughs> this new thing called social media. It's it's amazing <laughs> when it's not just being a consumer, when you're actually right, absolutely. reaching out and talking to people about what they care about. It's it's fun stuff. So, well, thank you, Kimberly, and thank you, listeners. Thank you so much. We're going to join you next time as we continue to help emerging leaders get unstuck and create opportunities. Suppose you enjoyed today's episode of the Learned Opportunity Podcast and you want to help create hundreds of opportunities for emerging leaders. In that case, there are a couple of ways that you can support this mission. One, you can make sure to follow or subscribe to the Learned Opportunity Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews with thought leaders, experts, and other emerging leaders like yourself. Two, you could leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, and this really helps more emerging leaders discover this show. And third, you could share this episode with someone you want to help get unstuck so that they can start creating more opportunities in their personal and professional lives. So as always, I love to hear from you. You can send me a message on Instagram at DJECCLES, or you can send me an email at Daniel at learnedopportunity.com.